The Holy Spirit has been so working in the lives of believers and, and so much rich truth we find in the book of Ephesians has literally just transformed people throughout the centuries. And we're diving into some deep, deep waters. And the Holy Spirit is going to help us do this. Now here's what some commentators have said about the book of Ephesians. Listen to this. This letter is pure music. Pure music. We have read here, what we have read here is truth that sings. Doctrine set to music. This is what a commentator has said about the book of Ephesians. We're getting into something that's truth that sings. It's not just truth for the mind, as we talked about two weeks, weeks ago, but it is truth for the heart. It, it induces something in you. It evokes something in you, the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is today the most contemporary book of the Bible since it promises community in a world of disunity. You agree with that? We live in a world of disunity. Here's what we get to come into. We get a promise of unity. We get a promise of the Holy Spirit bringing us together about the central things in life. We have unity among disunity. Reconciliation in a place of alienation. Peace instead of war. Just get on Facebook and look how much at war we are just simply in our country with political ideals. Okay? You, can't li you literally cannot get online almost without losing your mind because somebody is telling their opinion about politics. And then you know what? And you've got to write back and correct them. And then they've got to write back and correct you. And this, what we're entering into in this book, is something that brings people together, even of different ideological idea, I mean, different ideologies. Uh, this, this is a remarkable, remarkable letter as the Holy Spirit is working. It says this, the whole letter is thus a magnificent combination of Christian doctrine and Christian duty, Christian faith and Christian life. What God has done through Christ and what we do in response and in consequence. Here in this letter, we have a almost like a shorter book of Romans with a more compact punch. And so here we have six chapters broken down in almost a first half, second half sort of way. In the first half, the first three chapters, you have these incredible truths about God and about man. About God and about men and women and even children. You then have these glorious truths about, okay, what is it now in response? How, how now are we to respond to these truths about God as the people of God? How does it shape us? How does it inform the way we live our lives? How does it inform these truths in chapters 1, 2, and 3? How does it inform how we do this when we come together? How does it unite us? How does it drive us to live our lives? And so that's what we're diving into here over the next six, eight months. We'll see what the Holy Spirit does. Look with me in verse 1, 2. We're going to just read 1, 2, and 3, and then we're just going to march through it. We'll look at first at verse 1 and 2, and then uh, we'll look at verse 3 and spend a good amount of time there. Look with me. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to pray again. Uh, we're a people of prayer, so we're just going to pray and ask the Lord to, to work yet again. Let's pray. Father God, I, um, I ask that you would help us. These are just words on a page. Unless, Holy Spirit, you open our eyes to what you have revealed already to us. We all have the same revelation in this room. The Holy Spirit, we're ask, asking that you would reveal to us what you have revealed, this, these truths. And that we would not march over these, these words or these verses as a simple introduction or as a simple greeting, but we would see the glorious, 
wonderful mountain of truth that's before us. Help us as we just even pull for language to try to describe what we're about to dive into. Help us to swim in these rivers of delight. Help us to see the sunsets of your beauty. Help us, God, as we we dive into this book. Lead us. Change us. It's for your glory. It's for your praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. We have a wonderful greeting that Paul gives to the church in Ephesus. And he says something similar that he says in almost every book. He wants them to know these two powerful words, grace and peace to you. And in the letters in the New Testament, we often so read past the beginnings and the end that we forget that in every single New Testament letter, you have a greeting of grace and peace and you have an ending of grace. It starts and ends. Each letter in the New Testament ends with grace and peace and grace. It's like these cushions for us when we enter in any book in the New Testament. It's like, or any epistle in the New Testament, we enter in through grace and we finish through grace. And that's the point here this morning. We want to start with the grace of God and we want to end with the grace of God. We want to sing the grace of God. We want to hear about the grace of God. Paul brings the church in Ephesus to grace and the mercy of God. He writes in this, the, this letter, it's to the saints who are in Ephesus. This is important for us to realize, uh, one, that Paul calls us saints, but we need to realize that as Christians, there are things that we need to hear. And often when we approach the Bible, we can think the Bible is for non-Christians or even preaching is for non-Christians out there. And we miss that the truth in these letters is primarily for believers. This is for believers, that there's going to be information that the Holy Spirit has given Paul to give to a group of saints in Ephesus. So this group of saints is going to have some information in a letter, and it's for them. It's for their good. And so we, like the saints in Ephesus, are going to receive some information that is directly from the Holy Spirit for us. It's for us, who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the city that Ephesus was. Uh, Last week, Russ mentioned this. uh, Ephesus was a large city. It was a cultural smorgasbord, you could say. Uh, It was religious. I mean, there was religious nut jobs everywhere and weird religions, all sorts of kind of stuff, just like Carbondale, right? I mean, it's a hotbed of spiritual warfare, of demonic activity, of false religions, of, unfortunately, churches who have marched away from the truth that's in God's Word. Some have. And so just like the city of Ephesus, we, as we meet in Carbondale, and I know many of us are kind of dotted throughout. We actually don't even live in Carbondale. But what we desire is for Carbondale and even our own communities where we live, we, we desire them to be transformed just like Ephesus was. Okay, That's what we're desiring. So remember, we need to remember that about Ephesus and, and what Ephesus was and what Ephesus would like. And so Paul, like was previously stated, wants grace and peace to come to them. And we need grace and peace this morning. We need grace and peace in our church. I don't think anybody here this morning, upon hearing the offer of grace and peace, would say, nah, I don't want any of that. I don't want any grace this morning. I don't want any peace this morning. I think we can all, in one unified voice, say, we want grace and peace for our individual lives and for our church. And so, friends, that's what we're going to get here this morning. That's what we're going to get in this letter. We're going to get wave after wave of grace and mercy and peace. And it's going to keep coming. 
And then just when we think that there's no more waves, we get this 12-foot that came up over the last one we couldn't see, 12-foot wave of grace, and it's going to come crashing down over us. And then when we come up for good breath, we're going to get more peace, and then we're going to get mercy, and then we're going to get grace again. And so this is what's coming for us. This is what the Holy Spirit had for the church of Ephesus, and it's what the Holy Spirit has for us. This is good, good stuff that God has for us. Now, we, we get into verses 3 through 14, uh, probably the greatest sentence ever written. Uh, if you look in your, in your Bible, verses 3 to 14, there's a lot of punctuation. There's, a lot of, there's, there's some periods, there's some commas, there's all of this. One thing that we need to know about verses 3 to 14 is in the original Greek, we have one major long run-on, every sort of breaking the English language sentence you can come up with. Uh, but it is just one sentence. And it's like Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, just, just couldn't stop. He just had to keep on adding to the glorious truths that he was writing. He couldn't put a period on it. He had to just keep writing and keep writing. And it's like this letter just opens up from the very beginning with just like this explosion of grace and mercy to us. So it's like he says grace and peace are coming your way. And then he opens up with this explosion of grace and peace. And this is what we're going to get in this passage. Uh, The sentence is absolutely, we're trying to stretch our imaginations here in our heart here. It's eternally high. The heights of this passage and the content that we're going to get, it's like it's eternal, eternally high. Like you look up to see the heights of the goodness that's in this passage, and it's like you can't see the top of it. And, and it's like, but then it's so deep as well as, as, as you kind of put these paradoxes together. These truths are really high and they're really deep. And we're going to ta- be taken on this full range of emotion as we go through here. The full range of truth. We're going to look up high and we're going to look down low and we're going to see that there's treasures way up there and there's treasures way, way down there. And the Holy Spirit is going to pull them down and pull them up into our mind and into our heart. And he's going to do a powerful, powerful work um, trying to explain the beauty of this sentence. I, I was standing in Colorado, and I remember, um, and there's some things that nature, God's, um, you know, we have God's general revel- revelation in nature. We can learn some things about God, uh, but there's things in general revelation that we'll never learn about God that we can only find in his specific revelation. Things like the gospel, things like you, you can't just look at nature and understand the gospel. But there are things in, 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 in specific revelation that, and even in what was specifically revealed, you see the psalmist doing this, trying to describe the beauty of God, and he starts talking about the created order. He starts talking about the stars, starts talking about the mountains, and using this wonderful, beautiful imagery, trying to describe what God is like. And it's like he's reaching for things that, that can't necessarily even be penned because it's beyond just understanding. It's beyond just reading. And, and I remember, in trying to think through this, I remember in Colorado, it was in 2005, and it was in Durango, Colorado. And it's on Durango, Colorado is kind of on the eastern edge of the, the big, big mountains in Colorado. If you ever drove to Colorado, you know, it's kind of like flat. You're like, man, this is as boring as Kansas. And then... Then all of a sudden, like 100 miles away, you see these massive mountains. Well, Durango, Colorado is kind of like this. There's a school in this, this little community, this little mountain community. I forget what the name of the school is, but um, it sits on top of this plateau. And it's like this plateau is like a perfect plateau. It's like if, you, if you've got a hot knife and you made it like mountain butter, and uh, a mountain of butter, and if you just cut through the butter perfectly and then got that, that it would be like that. It's like a big butter mountain. with a, It's like a perfect plateau. And there's like a, there's a school, there's a university. <laughs> 
on top of this plateau. And I remember it was, uh, it was right before worship. I was working for this camp, and it was right before worship, and the students were about to come in. And I was standing out in front of the door, and I remember the most beautiful sunset that I've ever seen. And what was happening, it was like a, a, a ton of different really awesome things happening at once. Okay, the sun was setting over the mountains, over the western mountains. Okay, sun rises in the east, sets in the west. Yeah, okay. It was west, setting, and then there was a storm rolling in at the same time. And we're standing upon this, you know, this mountain, and here's what's on this plateau, and here's what's happening. It's like, over here you have these oranges and these purples, and it was one of those sunsets that if you didn't see it, it's like you really wouldn't believe it. If you saw it painted, you'd say, surely that's not real. That's photoshopped. You know, have you seen one of those sunsets before? And, and those kinds of things in nature, they stick with you. You remember sunsets like that. You remember uh, seeing the mountains. You remember being out in nature. And there, there's things that get stirred inside of you. Like, that is, that is beautiful. And really, as, as you look at a sunset like that, you can look at different parts of the sky. You look in this part, and you see beauty. And you just stand there, and you just try to soak it all in. And then, if you just look, like, you know, two inches to the left, which is like a thousand miles, uh, you look two inches to the left or whatever, and it's like oh my goodness, that's a new color that, that isn't two inches to the right. Like, oh my goodness, that's, I don't know which one's more beautiful. I mean, and then you go back and then you look at that and, you, and then you see over here and you see a lightning bolt come down. And you're like, oh my gosh, like how much beauty can I, can I take in? And that's the closest way that I can try to just describe the sentence that we're about to dive into. And it's as simple, there's just many people who just walk by sunsets or walk by beauty and they just don't pay any attention and so you can just miss it. Or we can stand and ask for the Holy Spirit to just open our eyes to a beautiful swirl, swirl of color over here and open our eyes to the lightning bolt that's going to come down and open our eyes to the, the storm that's coming and the sun that's setting and the swirls of purple and the beauty. And It's almost like you're stepping into Narnia. What was the movie, the James Cameron movie with all the, the beautiful colors it was a few years ago? What was it? Avatar. It was like, like stepping into Avatar. And it's like, this is, so basically this sentence is like Avatar. And you step in and it's like, oh my gosh. Now friends, I don't want us to miss it. I don't want to, mi I don't want to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. So we're going to start and just, we're going to look at one verse and it's going to open up just to, a, oh yeah, one other thing I was going to say in here. This, this sentence is like Mary Poppins bag. You pull something out. And then there's just more to discover. And then you pull more out, and you're like, well, that must be a magic bag. And it's like, yeah, that, so I, I missed that. And oh, there's other things. Let me just say those other things, too, that I wrote down. Uh, we learn of the love of God the Father in love. God has done some things. And what it means to be in Christ, and how the Holy Spirit gives us assurance. The goal of this sentence is to evoke deep outbursts of joy and adoration in you. The goal of this sentence, the goal that what's it's driving you is it's driving you to adoration. It's driving you to praise. It, the sentence itself is structured in such a way that to receive the sentence prop, properly, it's almost as if we just can't contain it any longer. We just got to stand up and, and shout and scream and just say, praise you, God. That's what the goal of this sentence is. Another goal would be is to drown out the glory of self in the flood of the glory of God. Get over yourself. How about? Jared, you, students, you live in a world, world that just glorifies each other. Just, oh, no. Or tries to tear each other down one way or the other. 
but, but get over yourself. God is way, way greater than you. He's worthy. And we're going to see the beauty of who he is. Okay? The goal is that it would be like smelling salts to your heart. One more story. I went to, uh, uh, I went to uh, witness uh, at this event at, uh, what was it called? The Kentucky Derby. Some of you may have heard of that before. Uh, the Kentucky Derby in, I believe, Lexington, Kentucky or Churchill Downs or something like that. And uh, I remember that the night before, you go out and there's a big party the night before. Well, the next day we go to the grounds and there's this dude just passed out and because, you know, he was partying too hard. And he was just laying down, and he was just completely out of it. And I, I remember the first time, I was like, what on earth was that? First time I saw smelling salts, this, this, the cop came up, and he did whatever with those salts and put it in this guy's nose, and this guy was like, <gasps> you know, like woke up like that. Okay, again, for believers and for non-believers, the, this content, the Holy Spirit, I believe for some of us, it's just going to be like, it's just for your soul. Where you're just, you're just, <gasps> Oh, so that, without any further ado, <laughs> let's look at verse 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pause. Here's what Paul says. Some of your translations may say, praise be God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this word blessed means. Praised be, blessed be God the Father God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul is doing for us. Paul is leading us through the power of the Holy Spirit into praise, into worship. Because three times in this section, in this sentence, we're going to get a phrase to the praise of His glorious grace. And I want you to see these three times that we're going to get this in this sentence. Look, look at verse 6 in your Bibles. Look at verse 6. And here's what it says. To the praise of His glorious grace. You see that? That phrase? To the praise of His glorious grace. Now, look down in verse 12. Just somebody read verse 12 out loud for us. Go ahead. When you get it, read it. Anybody got it? Don't be shy. Kathy's got it. Go for it. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. Okay, there's the second time. Now, verse 14. Somebody look at verse 14. The last six words in the sentence. Somebody will read the, just those last six words. What, what, what's it say again in verse, in verse uh, 14? To the, to the praise of His glory. So whatever follows, verse 3, whatever is laid out for us, the intended response of the content that's coming to the church of God, that's coming to the people of God, the response to the, to the content is praise. That's what Paul wants from us. Whatever comes next, it is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a pot of really awesome things, and we're to respond to this, all this information, all these truths, we're, we're to respond with praise. And here's what's so wonderful about this. Paul models this for us. He is respond, he's already writing in, he's leading us into doing what he's going to later call us to do. He is starting this sentence with praise. And it's just a real easy nugget that we can miss, but Paul lays it out for us, and he's like, I'm just going to go ahead and start in on this thing. Praise be God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All the stuff that's coming, it's intended to make you do this. It's intended to wake you up. It's intended to make you respond to the glorious truth that I'm bringing. Paul lays it out. Blessed be God. Praised be God. God, the Father of Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it begs the question, why? Why is God to be praised? Why? Well, it says it. Look at this. This God who has blessed us, I want you to get this, 
The God that we are to praise, we are, we are said that we are blessed, that He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Okay, here comes the content. Here comes the rivers of delight. Here comes the mountain heights. Here comes that beautiful sunset. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now we get this phrase, in Christ, in Christ. This, this whole letter, we get the words in Christ over and over and over again. That something, God has done something in Christ. And we are included in this in Christ work. So let's just say, okay, hopefully this is not, I don't know, wrong or something. We're, we're going to say that the Hank is Jesus, okay? And somehow or another, we've all been like sewn into his side, okay? And we are all now connected to Hank, Jesus, okay? And in Christ, God has done something for us. That while we are in Him, we are going to receive the blessings that God has poured down upon Christ. We are going to be the beneficiaries of these blessings. And God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. That every blessing that Christ now has, we have. Amen. Every single thing that is His, we have. God is not held back on us. God is not just dangling the carrot out in front of us and saying, hey, if you'll be a little bit more passionate, if you'll love me a little bit more, if you will pray just a little bit more, Tyler, oh, I will shower blessings upon you. Oh, if you'll just be a little bit more devoted to me, oh, you have no idea how much I would bless you. No, if you're in Christ, God has not held back any spiritual blessing from you. 27 times we hear this phrase, in Christ, in this letter. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Are you in Christ? That's the question. There's two types of people in the world. Those who are not in Christ and those who are in Christ. That's it. And there's all these people out here, all over the city. There's like two, I think, Muslim communities here that meet on different, each sides of the city. There's a Hindu temple. There's, um, you name it, everything. I don't even know. Um, and demons literally lead these congregations. That's what 1 Corinthians tells us. That's it, false. It's, it's lies. It's not true. And the people there are not in Christ. I don't care how devoted they are. And we want them to know Christ. We want them to know the spiritual blessings that are in Christ. This is our mission. It's not just that we would be in Christ. We want other people to know about Christ. <clears throat> 27 times. Now, the word spiritual blessing is mentioned, spiritual blessing. And I want to call us attention a quick, to a quick um, kind of a contrast from the Old Testament to the New. And this was a commentator. His name was John Stott, which if you're looking, if you want to read through a commentary or study through the book of Ephesians as we're going through this, uh, John Stott is my favorite commentator on, the book of, commentator on the book of Ephesians. And here's what he says about the truth of these spiritual blessings. And we need to get this because if we don't get these spiritual blessings, when the blessings, the physical blessings that we think should come to those who are in Christ, when they don't come, we're going to think God is holding back on us. If we don't understand that God has not held anything back from us spiritually. And we're going to look at our world and we're going to think, God, well, why, why did I get sick and nobody else did? Or why I didn't get the promotion and the, the, you know, the jerk got the promotion. And if we miss that these, these are spiritual blessings, then every, th every time that something happens that seems to go against what you know Christians should get, we'll think, 
God, are you holding back on me? Hear this commentator. He says this. What Paul stresses here is that the blessing God gives us in Christ is spiritual. Spiritual. A contrast is probably intended with the Old Testament days when God promised blessings were when the, when the God's promised blessings were largely material. Perhaps the most striking example can be found in Deuteronomy 28, where the blessings promised to an obedient Israel were many children, a good harvest, an abundance of cattle and sheep, leadership among the nations. It's true that Jesus also promised his followers some material blessings, for he forbade them to be anxious about food, drink, clothing, and assured them that their heavenly Father would supply their needs if they put their concerns of his rule and righteousness first. Nevertheless, get this, the distinctive blessing of the new covenant are spiritual, not material. For example, God's law is written on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. A personal knowledge of God and the forgiveness of our sins. And here's why this is wonderful. God is not discriminate when it comes to his blessings he showers upon his children. We may be able to look and say, you know what, somebody else in the Christian faith has more money, but they don't have more spiritual blessings. Somebody else has more external influence. But God has not withhold held anything from me. Because I promise you, in this life, you will, some of you will advance further than others, further the way the world describes it. Some of you will live a life and people will say, well, I thought they loved God, and yet that, their life has been really, really difficult. And if we are not sure of this truth, we will always believe this, this anchor of our soul will be elusive because it will only be as strong as the newest material blessing we've received. And when those material blessings seem to be out of reach, your anchor just seems to never be down. You just can't ever land it. You can't ever hook it in. And here, we're told that every spiritual blessing has been given to us in Christ Jesus. It's easy to miss, but here it is. In Christ Jesus, every spiritual blessing He has blessed us with. And here's what I want to do. I'm going to I want to show you this. This is kind of get the, becoming the diving board to where we're going the next few weeks. Okay, spiritual blessings. That's what we're going to be talking about the rest of the book uh, or rest of the chapter of Ephesians chapter one. It's going to open up to us and say, right, what are some of these spiritual blessings? What does it mean to be loved by God? What does it mean to be assured with the sealing work of the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to be chosen by God? What does it mean to believe in this God? All these spiritual, what does it mean to be redeemed out of sin? We're going to find out what these spiritual blessings are. But we know the point of these spiritual blessings that God has given us in Christ. The fact that he has bestowed upon us everything that is Christ's, the fact that he has bestowed on us, it's for a reason. And we've already read it. The blessings come to you that you might be, that I might be, to the praise of His glorious grace. They don't come to you to keep you static and to say, I've got the spiritual blessings of God now. I can put my hands in my pocket and go to sleep well. The spiritual blessings have been lavished upon you for a greater purpose than you. The point is the glory and the praise and the adoration of God. And we see that again through the Apostle Peter. We're going to look at one other reference here, and I want to show you that this is not some isolated thing. And I want you to get the magnitude of this. God saved you for a bigger reason than for you to have your sins forgiven and for you to be with Him. There is something bigger in this universe than your relationship to God. There is something bigger than that. He has brought you into relationship with Him for a greater purpose than that relationship with Him. And it's the praise of His glorious grace. 
He has brought you into his family that now we might participate in praising this glorious God who did this work. So spiritual blessings for a point. We're going to see this again. And this is radical because it, it, it screams a different message than the message of the world. The message of the world is the greatest news you can ever hear is about your greatness. And here comes the Bible and say, oh no, there's something, something greater than that. There's some, something greater than living your life for you and your purposes. There's something greater than even God saving you. There's something greater, and it's called the very worship and the praise of God. We see this, first, or first Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. I believe, Russ, you did reference this verse last week, didn't you? That's what I thought. We're going to see this point played out in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. This is actually the, the previous church that I got to serve. This is the first sermon that I ever preached there. And the, the title of that sermon was called for a purpose. The title of this sermon is A People of Praise. We are a people and have received an identity to become people of praise. Okay, a people of praise, that's the title. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Again, we're going to stand in Narnia. And we're going to stand before the sunset and we're going to see beauty that's unspeakable. Here's what God says about His people. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. Now let's get that. Hear what God says about His people. In this room, you're a chosen race, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation. And before we get pumped up about that and boasting in ourselves, a people for His own possession. He's made you what you are, what we are, because he possesses, he, we are His. He has brought us into His family. We are what we are. And see this, it follows the same pattern. We are what we are. And in, in Ephesians, it's you've been blessed with what you've been blessed with for a reason. Here, we are what we are for a point. And what's that point? Look at it. That, comma, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Now, here's the end of your searching. And maybe you're in your Christian life and you're still a wanderer. Maybe you, you're not a Christian at all, but you're, you're out there and you think you're seeking and all this kind of stuff, and really, you're not. Uh, you're just going from one thing to another uh, and, and hoping that you'll find what it is that you're, you know, your heart is after. And, and I want you to know this morning, if you're here, that God has brought you here for a reason, okay? It's because it's not that you're after Him, it's because He's after you. You think you're searching, and in fact you are, but there's a reason, because God is searching you out. God searching you out appears to be you searching Him out. It's interesting how it works. You are, here's the end of your wanderings. You know why you exist? To be a people of praise, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Well, what are those excellencies? Well, it's right there for us. He called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You once walked in darkness, and you thought you walked in light, and God came and rescued you up out of that darkness into His marvelous light. It keeps going. In verse 10 it says, you once were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you didn't even have an identity. You thought you had an identity. You didn't. Now God has brought you into His people and He's given you an identity. We're God's people, the God of the universe. We get to be His people. That's an excellency that we get to declare. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. Say, praise the Lord. Yeah. Right? Yeah. right? Is that the right word? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hey! 
Let's practice. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hey! Let's practice. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hey! All right. Like, this is the purpose of our being. We all love praising what we love. Okay? Taylor and Kiri love hunting. You want to talk to them about hunting? You're going to see how much joy they get in hunting. They'll tell you how much they love hunting. Because they love talking about what they love. We love talk. We get joy expressing what we love. God, let me tell you about the one who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. How can we not jump and sing? How can we not be a people of praise? How can people be a people of joy? The end of your searching, it ends with the praise of God. That's the point. It's the point of our breath. You had once not received mercy, it, contends, it continues, but now you have received mercy. We got to hear about Russ's testimony of receiving mercy. He goes in, and he had a night doing some things that we won't speak of, and he walked in, and it was his friend who was on his knees praying for him. You receive mercy, Russ. You receive mercy. God has been merciful to you. Hank, God has been merciful to you. He's been merciful. Joby, God's been merciful. He's been so kind to us. He's been so merciful to us. We have things to praise Him for. And the point is not just that we would receive mercy and that's it. We have a mission that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And you can go ahead and go forward. Come forward. Friends, this is the theme of the entire Bible. It is to dislodge us out of a self-centered life, a self-centered view of God, a God who just exists for you. To shake us out of that, to be the smelling salts and wake us up to the praise and the glory of God. You, have, you don't have to seek anymore. You know, you walk out of this door, you know what the purpose of your life is tomorrow? The praise of His glorious grace. You know what the purpose of your life is Tuesday? Praise of His glorious grace. But Wednesday, oh yeah, broken record, same thing. Praise is glorious grace. And I want you to see this because as we talk about spiritual blessings in the next few weeks, as we talk about what God has done for us in Christ, I want us to respond biblically. And I want you to see that it's not just Paul. It's not just Peter. This is the entire Bible. I'm going to read a few verses. Excuse me, read a few headings and the verses are underneath. I'm not even going to read the verses. If you want this, uh, you can uh, ask, ask for it and I'll give it to you or send you an email. And I want you to go, we're just going to go through the entire Bible and we're going to see that this exact same message is all through the Bible. You are who you are for a point. God chose His people for His glory. God created us for His glory. God called Israel for His glory. God rescued Israel from Egypt for His glory. God raised Pharaoh up to show His power and glorify His name. God defeated Pharaoh at the Red Sea to show His glory. God spared Israel in the wilderness for the glory of His name. God gave Israel victory in Canaan for the glory of His name. God did not cast away His people for the glory of His name. God saved Jerusalem from attack for the glory of His name. God restored Israel from exile for the glory of His name. Jesus sought the glory of His Father in all that He did. Jesus told us to do good works that God gets glory. Jesus warned that not seeking God's glory makes faith impossible. Jesus said that He answers prayer and that God will be glorified. Jesus endured His final hours of suffering for God's glory. 
God gave His Son to vindicate the glory of His righteousness. God forgives our sins for His own sake. Jesus receives us into His fellowship for the glory of God. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Son of God. God instructs us to do everything for His glory. God tells us to serve in a way that will glorify Him. Jesus will fill us with fruits of righteousness for the glory of God. All are under judgment for dishonoring God's glory. He struck dead. Herod was struck dead because he did not give glory to God. Jesus is coming again for the glory of God. Jesus' ultimate aim for us is that we would see and enjoy His glory. Even in wrath, God's aim is to make known the wealth of His glory. God's plan is to fill the earth with the knowledge of His glory and everything that happens will redound to the glory of God. In the new Jerusalem, the glory of God replaces the sun. We are who we are. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has not withheld for His children anything that we would be a people of praise. Let's pray. Father, uh, this, it's, it's better than the sunset. It's, there's, there's more for us to discover. It's, for me, I've read it so many times. And Holy Spirit, I pray that, we would, that smelling salts would work in here. Holy Spirit, you would come and just rub them down into our hearts and into our minds and our soul. And we would just exceed and just abound in joy that it would evoke a response in us. That we would be marked as being a people of praise. That's, God, you've been so kind. And as Paul opened up and said, Blessed be God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. God, I want you to be blessed by our singing right now. Your hearts would be set aflame for your praise, for your glory for students that are in the room, the children that are in the room. God, that you would open their minds and their hearts to see what you have done for them in Christ. If there's anybody here who doesn't know you, God, I pray that they would tell you, God, I'm sorry for doing things my way, for being so stinking self-centered, for sinning against you. And I trust in the work of Jesus who lived a perfect life in my place, who died a substitutionary death, who died and took the judgment that I deserve. And I trust in that work. And I believe He's alive forevermore. And that person would become a person of praise this morning. God, I pray that just joy would reign supreme here. This response, we would respond in praise and adoration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. exaltation of the glory of God and I wasn't I wasn't gonna I wasn't plan on saying anything but I now I feel like I have to because it's just beautifully lining up and this song is uh, very special to me because it speaks of something that I didn't understand when I wasn't a Christian and what I mean by that is on the night whenever my friend came and evangelized me. I was, I was wrapped up in a lot of bad stuff. I really didn't seek, wasn't seeking God, so it wasn't 